0: Welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. I'm John Williamson, host of the podcast and founder of K-12 Food Rescue, an organization founded in 2007, committed to empowering people to lead the food is not trash movement in their school districts. Today, I'm joined by Anjali Das, K-12 Food Rescue leader and teacher at Windermere Elementary in Upper Arlington near Columbus, Ohio. So Anjali, welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast.
1: Thanks, John. It's nice to be here.
0: So, Anjali, at the end of 2021, my, re- my recollection is you kind of reached out to K-12 Food Rescue looking for information about school food waste, and you ended up signing up for our free story graphic online tracking tool. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and maybe how you became interested in school food waste and how you stumbled across K-12 Food Rescue?
1: Absolutely. So, um, when I was younger, my family, I was very lucky. My family did a lot of traveling all over the world. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I got to go to India and other parts of the world where um, food waste and food insecurity were a really big problem. And when I graduated from college with my special education degree, um, the first place I went was Guatemala and I worked at an orphanage. And um, I really got to see a lot of the food insecurity um, and food waste issues firsthand. So when I became a special ed teacher, one of my main goals was that I started started a service learning organization to help people internationally with food waste and food insecurity issues. And we raised money and awareness about UNICEF and some other international causes like Kiva. Um, but then when COVID hit, I really started thinking about food waste and food insecurity locally in our community. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I figured out that America has more than anywhere else in the world, right? There's oh. 40% of our food in America is wasted. And that might be an underestimation. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, so I started trying to tackle food waste issues locally. And mm. I looked at restaurants, um, I connected with an organization in our community, and I um, started working on food waste from restaurants. And my husband and I were realizing that carloads and carloads and carloads of food was being wasted that we were transporting from restaurants to food banks and other crisis centers. So um, eventually I looked at our school and I said, oh my gosh, if all of this waste is happening out in our community, what's going on in our schools? And what I found was that, you know, for the 14 years I've been a teacher, you know, mountains and mountains of foods have been in schools. Yes. And um, it really became a passion of mine to work on that. And um, I stumbled upon K-12 Food Rescue because I was just looking for other support because I was the only person that I knew in my district or area that was doing this. So I wanted other supports that uh, other groups that had similar efforts, um, right. just for support support, and collaboration.
0: So I'm curious, taking it back to the Guatemala piece, you know, we think of mm-hmm probably hunger as being great there, but food waste is also an issue there as well?
1: Absolutely. I would say that it's less of an issue there because people use um, a lot of the food for you know, animals or other. They had a food waste um, area where they would have a compost, basically, like a natural compost. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I think that they are better about that, um, but I do think food waste is a problem in every country that I've been to.
0: Got it. Got it. So prior to getting involved with rescuing school food, you know, you said you got involved with an organization and I believe that an organization used to be called Community Place, but mm-hmm. now they're Food yeah. Rescue U.S., which is a completely That's- separate organization from ours that was founded in 2007. But were you able to kind of see that spreadsheet that I sent you that see that some mm-hmm. of the restaurants that we handed off are some of the same ones uh, that, that Food Rescue U.S. continues on to this day?
1: Yeah, I saw the spreadsheet and um, gosh, it's amazing that, You all started that in Columbus, and it's so amazing that there's such an energy around people and restaurants and schools that have gotten involved in this community. So I think it's really just been such a network of people that have gotten together to solve this problem.
0: So That's that's what I think is so cool, is the synergy just around the whole issue and organizations working together. And while we kind of Mm -hmm. changed our focus from restaurants to schools, that it's kind of worked its way back 360 degrees, you know, Mm -hmm. to still working on the same issue, just in a different area. Right, yeah. Can you tell everyone kind of how, what you've been able to accomplish at Windermere uh, since you got started uh, on the school waste solutions?
1: Yeah, well, like I I was amazed to find that the solution to a lot of the food waste or food waste and hunger issues was sort of right under our nose. And um, we save at Windermere about 99 pounds per week um, Mm. out of our cafeteria and school of about 500 students. and so we started in November ish to um, collect food and we didn't know how much we would get at the beginning and we just wasn't, weren't sure what it would look like, but we've gotten about um, 1,199 pounds total since uh-huh. November. Um, and we have nine amazing students that are working during their lunch and recess to facilitate this program. Um, and we've also been able to spread a lot of education and awareness to parents and other students in the building.
0: So is it fair to say that those nine students were new to the issue, or did they have any kind of awareness uh, before you started?
1: No, I think they were totally new to the issue. And actually, you know, I just picked a couple of students that teachers recommended like, hey, this child kind of needs something to be involved in. So they weren't really even focused on this issue of food waste when we first started. This was just something that they were trying to do as a project because they needed something to be involved with. once we saw the coolers and the bins filled food, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is such a big problem. So I think then many more students started to join in because they really saw it as something that they wanted to work on.
0: So tell us, tell us, our audience, kind of how are you using share tables at all? Or are you just donating directly to the unopened, unpeeled food that the students um Obviously, don't eat from their tray and delivering it to the food pantry. How's it? How's it playing out in Windermere?
1: Yeah, so um we don't have a share table, and I, okay. that was one of the clarifications that I had to make to students because they would see something in the food rescue bin and they were like, "Be like, oh, that's extra. I can just have it." Right. And we had to clarify that no, it wasn't like a canned food drive, which they're right. used to, or it wasn't like a share table. um It was really like we are donating fresh food for that need it and um, we got connected through um, community placed with rescue us we got connected yep. to um, a YMCA run community housing project called the and it is long-term permanent community housing for um, people who have been homeless for a very long time so many of the people who live there have special needs or they have addiction issues and they haven't been able to get out of that cycle of homelessness so now they live at the USA project is permanent housing so we do the wrapped we donate wrapped food that has not been opened um, right. to these projects. So um, that just kind of makes sure that kids have not picked at the food, and it makes it a sort of clear cut line for them about what they can donate and what they can.
0: Correct. That makes total sense. So, what steps did you take to kind of teach the students? Maybe, maybe these nine students, and then maybe allow them to be the voice to make sure that all the other students understand what it's like. Or did it, Or was it just kind of obvious once it started?
1: Well, I do think the beauty of this kind of a program in a school is that it is so linear. I mean, every one of our students, right down to the five year old itty bitty kindergartners, can tell you, oh, we didn't want this to somebody that doesn't have food. And I think that's something that all of them understand. Um, But I also think we worked really hard to educate those nine students of food waste in the United States and what that looks like in more concrete terms. So comparing that food waste in to terms that they understand. And um, they made videos on our um, wake up window bears our video video announcements that we have every morning. So So they they use that as an educational tool. Um, They also have a visual graph that we made in our cafeteria. We have a huge graph that goes across the top of the cafeteria that shows how much food we've saved. So um, just just seeing like a thousand pounds of food helps the other students understand this issue. Um, we also really connected with our PTO, which we're just blessed to have an amazing PTO at Windermere, um, and our parent teacher organization um, worked on some education at home. So we sent out these statistics and some pictures and um, some information to parents so that they could work with their kids. Wow, well.
0: man, that is just so awesome because all all <laughs> that just causes kids to be able to connect with it on such a deep level. Absolutely. Um, were you i know that you've 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 had a link for the story graphic log tool have you had a chance to use that and is it easy to use or is it, is it i just kind of share with our audience a little bit about your interaction with our tracking tool
1: yeah so we have been able to go on the story graphic log tool um, and mm-hmm. i think it's been a wonderful um, way to have an infographic for a very abstract amount of food so being able to see this is how many meals that this converts into because we have Mm -hmm. pounds of food but that's really hard for kids to understand so it it shows how many meals um it converts into how much carbon dioxide has come out of the environment because Um, And I think that that's really made it easier for younger kids to understand. Um, And also, it's a great connection to a science curriculum, you know, for some of the older kids to understand, um, you know, the food in the landfill, the carbon dioxide, the gases that are released. So um, I think that that's been really helpful for us.
0: Very cool. So, So one of the reasons I was really excited to talk to you today, Anjali, is that a lot of your efforts have been after the onset of the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. And that has been such a huge issue for us as an organization at one time, having 1,100 yeah. organiza- you know, schools involved mm-hmm. and seeing it go down about, well, at one time to zero, um, but mm-hmm. built back up to about 250. And I just would love for you to be able to share with our audience, have there been any special hurdles that you've had to overcome that have been more challenging mm-hmm. than others? Or has it really just been, you know, a hunger issue and an environmental issue that the school system has really embraced?
1: Yeah. So um, first of all, I mean, I think a lot of what we did here just took collaboration between our principal and our administration who were very supportive, our food service director and cafeteria staff, our custodians, our PTO. Um, and then we got a service learning grant through um, an outside organization that helped us to fund a lot of this. Mm. Um, and um, there, there some of the problems we encountered we're from COVID, so um, just understanding you know, how food was wrapped, how food was delivered, making sure that it was healthy and safe for everybody was a big concern. So mm-hmm. um, we kind of researched the Good Samaritan laws that exist mm-hmm. in Ohio and in a lot of other states about um, when we donate in good faith, we are not liable for those donations. But right. we're also very careful about food temperatures. We have ice packs that are in the coolers, and we have an amount of time that we're leaving it out. So we are very careful about that as well. Um The problems we've encountered have been logistically, you know, dropping off the food, who's going to run the food from one place to another has been one of the challenges. But our PTO has helped with that. And some of the teachers have helped with that as well. Um, And we had some concerns about advising kids to donate because I know that. Parents want their children to finish their lunches. And so we don't Absolutely. want to encourage them to donate their food unless they really don't want to eat it. So um, there's been an educational piece around that and um, making sure that they know that they need to be healthy in their own bodies if they're going to help other people. So I think that that's been a concept that they've had to understand. Um, and then I think there's been some logistical ins- issues in the cafeteria about, you know, we have. 500 kids that have one hour to eat lunch and get to recess. So it really is a fast flow in the cafeteria and how this oh, food restaurant yeah. mess that yeah. flow up was one of the questions. So collaborating um, collaborated with, with all stakeholders in that, in that situation to make sure that um, we could have this project and that it wouldn't be in the way of anything and that it wouldn't be um, dangerous for the people who are receiving the food due to COVID.
0: Yeah, I really love the way that you said that, that they they need to be healthy in order to be able to help other people. Mm -hmm. That's something I've never really put in those words before. So I loved hearing that. And I know that there's been a lot of uh, a lot written about how fast these lunch periods are for these kids around the country. And what can we do (laughs) to to get them at least 10 minutes to be able to eat? Uh, But I know, but I know schools are so packed with the stuff that they're trying to get in. (laughs) So it's a difficult hurdle for sure. Yeah. So what advice would you have for people that are interested in approaching their schools about maybe starting a K12 food rescue program and maybe food pantry relationships to recover healthy food that's unopened and unpeeled that might uh, otherwise be thrown away.
1: Mhm. Well, I think there's a couple things that people can do. Um, I think in terms of approaching school leadership and the community, um, I know our community is very well educated and they like to know statistics and they like to know metrics about um, why this is a problem and why they should help. So I think looking up a lot of those statistics to present helped a lot um, for people to understand why this is something that we need to do. Um, and I think, again, with leadership, parents, custodian, staff, every all of that buy-in. So that everybody's mm-hmm. on board with helping. Um, and I think that knowing the place that you're donating to. So, for example, for us, for the Isaiah Project, this community housing is in a refurbished hotel. So, if you think mm. about a hotel room, there's a mini fridge and there's a microwave. Really, all they have, they don't have a kitchen. So, you know, our food waste that is wrapped in small con- packages for snacks is perfect for them. So, I think that matching that food that you're getting, the exact type of food you're getting with the place that is being donated and their needs really helps a lot. And I also think schools need to know it's okay to start small. You know, if it's something that you do once a month and you start with that, and then you maybe increase it once a week, um, I think it's okay to start small because even helping in a small way for this problem is going to have an impact.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's really good advice. Um, I know we've always said even even if you just identify the problem to start out with um, and and make an educational piece about doing a food waste audit, um, and maybe you don't end up donating the first time, but boy, as soon as those students see it, their passion Mm -hmm. gets to be great for it, and then it kind of takes care of itself after Mm -hmm. that. And by the way, I'm really excited that we're going to schedule a podcast uh, in the next week or two with your students to kind of hear their point of view. So I can't wait uh, for that Mm -hmm. as well. But um, well, I appreciate you joining me today. And if there's anyone that's interested in learning more about starting a school food recovery program in your state, um, could they reach out to you? And if so, how they might be able to do that.
1: Absolutely. So thank you so much for having me. And I am so glad that we were able to talk about this. And I can say that our students are so psyched and excited that they're going to be on the podcast. So they are really excited and they can't wait. Um, if somebody wanted to reach out to me, I would be happy to talk about this experience and um, ways that you could start this at your school. So, um, my email is a d a s at u a schools dot org. So, u a s c h o o l s dot org. Um, And I would also encourage people, if they want to know more about the YMCA project, um, the YMCA in Central Ohio does amazing things for homelessness and hunger. So um, if they want to check out that and look at their website as well, that would be great.
0: Well, thank you so much, Anjali. And I appreciate the leadership that you're showing in Ohio. And I appreciate um, just the time that you spent with me today. And I look forward to talking to your students in the next week or two.
1: Yeah. Having us and giving us this opportunity.
0: No problem. Have a great day.